Hello and thank you for joining us again on um, my podcast series, Women Inspiring Women. Um, I'm here today with Jane Maudsley who has obviously got an amazing story to tell, otherwise we wouldn't be sat here. And um, Jane has uh, come through a lot of adversity, I suppose, in, in some ways in life. Uh, overcome it and she now runs a very successful franchising business. Um, I'm going to pass over to Jane before I start waffling and um, Jane just love to like to say thank you for coming in and uh, hello it's really nice to meet you. Hello I'm really honoured to be here it's very exciting. So how how did uh, you know I, I always like to um, set the scene and um, start at the beginning obviously because I think your story is really amazing. Um, so take us back to when you ran the London Marathon. Okay. Well, I ran the London Marathon in 2001. So quite some time ago now. I was a lot younger than I am now. I wasn't built like a a marathon runner. I'm not built like a marathon runner. Um, It was a challenge. I wanted to raise money for the Children's Society, um, give back and challenge myself personally and Mm -hmm. physically and mentally. Um, I did it with a group of people. We raised £5,000 and it was an incredible, incredible experience. I think it sets you up for life that you can get through whatever you set your mind to. Makes you realise the power of... Uh, your mindset your mindset isn't it it's massively, all about mindset absolutely massively in those days they still had the cobbles in the London Marathon and that bit's sort of like 20 miles 21 miles they don't have Gosh. them anymore but your legs are really giving way but the crowds keep you going and, yeah. and people on that journey getting to know their stories and and I did it and I never expected I'd be able to achieve that but mm. I did um, and have you I, ever done anything like that since? no I've done a few survival of the fittest right. things and tough mudders and those kind of events yeah. and ruined my knees a little bit and got a bit dirty but nothing as as physically and mentally challenging yeah. as that yeah in sport so that was it back in 2001 um just after that um and all the way through the training for the marathon actually i did it every week on week i broke that challenge down i broke it down to doing the exact mileage and if i missed a day then i wasn't going to achieve the results and actually that set me up really well in business i have yeah. to say yeah. or anything um, but I was running with a bunion and it was it was really quite it was painful for a young girl you know Absolutely. I was I was 22 um, I, I had this bunion and it was all planned that after the marathon we'd have this bunion removed I'd, I got all the operation lined up for the month after went in and had the operation on a Wednesday in May just after the marathon and that evening came out and they want the next day wanted me up with the physiotherapist and I just couldn't couldn't get up I was so poorly so poorly and found it so painful and the nurses in the hospital and the doctors blessed them they were just like she's very young to be having a bunion operation they are painful she's probably got a low pain threshold and my mum and dad were like absolutely not she's just one like you don't know what this girl's got inside of her she that's not her Mm. but they were I remember the physio trying to get me up and walk down the corridors and it was so difficult and I was in so much pain Anyway, they sent me home, they discharged me with loads of painkillers. The pain got worse and worse and worse to the point where I was rocking in the bed at home. And my mum said, this is worse than childbirth. Because obviously she'd had three children. She said, you know, with childbirth, you know what's coming to the end. But with this, we don't even know what it is. Is this just a painful operation? Um, But eventually I started losing everything. So, and almost was unconscious. So I actually turned out that I had septicemia. Oh, God, pneumonia they got me in hospital 
I was in um, high priority ward for a good couple of weeks, um, pumped with drugs. My my kidneys were failing, my liver was failing, my lungs had been affected to get the pneumonia. The, the septis was travelling. Oh, and I'd basically had, top and bottom of it, staph aureus infection from the point of the operation or from that hospital at some point. And I was a young, fit, healthy 22-year-old girl dying actually can you remember were you conscious during that time um in and out i think in and out when i think back um but my mum was a nurse by profession years ago so she was very much talking to the doctors going this is not right you know challenging everything um and it's only once they got a physician rather than just an orthopedic surgeon looking at me that they were like yeah you know i had an athletic shot when they gave me drugs it was i remember that you know it was it was in and out and that left me with a really um Physically, and, and I started to get better in my body as they got the right drugs into me, and, I, and obviously the fitness had helped that mm. got carried mm. me through. I'd have been older, I probably wouldn't have survived. Mm. Um, but I, the the foot was left with this awful wound, really obviously highly infected and slot and a mess. And I wanted to go on to music college in the September. That was sort of the April, May June time. September, I'd got a place on my master's degree in Scotland at the Conservatoire of Music and Drama. I'm an opera singer and was training further yeah. and um, I needed to get to that course you know that was like another deadline to meet mm. um, and it was just I had antibi- antibiotics pumped into me intermuscularly my mum was injecting me I was at home addressing this wound every day and it wasn't getting any better so eventually they said let's go and have um, some plastic surgery and like take some skin and we'll put it over the foot and we'll make it all right and you'll be back in September so we went to this plastic surgeon and I mean, that's another story in itself, but there was just no way we got a second opinion. And they said, that foot's still highly infected, so you've got mm. better, but your foot is still infected. Mm. So a fa- fabulous surgeon in Manchester got hold of me, admitted me. And from that point on, I think I had 14 operations <gasps> under general anaesthetic. Wow. Morphine, painkillers. I mean, the ward sisters knew me, the theatre staff knew me. They thought I was going to be on their Christmas oh, do <laughs> um, to heal the foot. Yeah. So um, that's what happened. Happened there, and it took. I had to um, sort of delay my master's degree for a year because I was having all these ops. Then they took bone from both from my hips to reconstruct my toe. And as you can see, you know, I'm in heels and I'm in boots and I'm walking and I've done events since. Yeah. But um, I don't have a, a joint in that foot, and and my foot was saved because at one point, you know, they may have I amputated. Bet that was a, a real worry wasn't it it was a worry it was a challenge it was a young girl not wearing shoes then for the next few years with heels and all of those kind of things came into play but I got better and uh, went off on off on my journey eventually to music college so that was the first sort of big challenge I suppose what did you now looking back on it now 18 years on Mm -hmm. you know I mean at the time I'm sure you just could not get past what you were actually going through but looking back on it now what do you think what would you say you took from that experience um i took from it very clearly and i say this a lot that you can't just trust the the um those in power around you you need to question things yeah and it's okay to question them in the right way mm. um so we look to our medics to be you know to, to heal and when your health is at risk that's the one thing that you're thinking oh someone's saying but actually mm. they're only human and mistakes can be made and you need to question different things at different times mm. so i'm not afraid now in any situation to ask a question in the right way in the nice nicest mm. possible way um and to just find out the facts and, and not hold everybody in such high esteem when you're in quite a vulnerable position. Absolutely. 
and I've done it several times in, in recent years with my grandma who was in hospital, with my with my partner who was in hospital. I, and people think, oh, gosh, Jane, that's a bit... But I have to do that because otherwise a, you know, a potential mistake could happen. And I think also some of us are, 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 that, are like that as well in terms of... I don't, you sound very much like me. I need to understand what's going on to get my head around it. Mm. Um, you know, as part of processing what's happening. Absolutely. And I think if you explain, you communicate well and you understand, however best you understand, it might be that you've got to ask more questions or have mm-hmm. it written down or in picture form or whatever. It just helps to then embrace what's coming and get yes. through that challenge. Absolutely. So you went off to do your master's. I went off to do my master's in Glasgow at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. Um, I met some fabulous people. I had an amazing time, two years there. Um, I'd already done a music degree at Sheffield University as a sort of quite, um, you know, to read music is like reading law or or yeah. maths or whatever. But this part was the vocational section, the two years master's, where it was performance and, and training your voice every day and being in a practice room and, and getting out there and doing professional engagements um and I loved it absolutely loved it um but very quickly after I graduated with my master's I realized that the life of a singer wasn't actually for me Mm -hmm. um I was quite a homebody I I loved my family I loved my home um I wanted to go on and get married and have children and, and and build that life and actually if you are committed and focused on the goal of being a singer you're living out of a suitcase you've got these up and downs of of audition no audition job money no money there's no consistency and you you've got to be totally focused 100% you want you have to want to work in a bar every Friday Saturday night just waiting for that next you know engagement to come through and I wasn't prepared to do that but actually emotionally because your whole life at high school and and university and everyone's been Jane's going to be on the stage when she's going to be at the Royal Albert Hall she's got an amazing voice she sings at this wedding and that funeral and Mm. it was everybody around me actually admitting it to myself that I decided that wasn't the life for me was the biggest thing that I had to overcome so I had to decide this wasn't right and then be able to communicate that really confidently to those around me that I'd made a different choice and that I would say that's the hardest thing. Did you feel like you were letting people down? I was letting loads of people down. Yeah. You know, people had, my, my parents had, had gone through bankruptcy and, and lost the houses and, and, and everything. And people had helped me to go through my degree, you know. There'd been f- a fund down in Oxfordshire that had given me money towards me finishing my master's. You know, people had mm. come to concerts and supported the marathon and my concert I did to raise the 5,000. And everyone was expecting Jane Maudsley to be a professional opera singer full time. And actually, mm. I was coming to the conclusion that that's not what I wanted. And that was really hard. Yeah, I think you're really, really brave to stand up and say, This isn't what I want. It was gradual. It wasn't, yeah. you know, I couldn't do it as an announcement. It was a gradual thing. But alongside that, I'd found teaching and I'd moved back to Blackburn, my hometown, having spent years in Sheffield and Glasgow and, and mm-hmm. Yorkshire. And I um, found teaching and I actually loved teaching. Whereas at music college, that was a really dirty word. Like really? if you wanted to teach, that was like for people who can't teach, you know, it's that sort of standard mm. saying. And that's like an imprinted thing on your mind. Mm. Um, but I, so when I decided to teach to earn money to go alongside the auditioning job, no job, it was, oh, you, don't, you don't do teaching. So you have this negativity all the time inside. Mm. Um, but actually I love teaching the children. And I got, I have to say, I got fabulous results from them. You know, we I had a great relationship. Some of the te- people that I taught way back then when they were seven and eight are now teachers of mine 
in Little Voices franchisees of ours, mm. you know, it was an incredible experience and I wanted to give back and I found my love of music came through the teaching, actually. Yeah, oh, that's lovely. Fantastic. Um, what happened next, I suppose, on, on the journey? So um, I was teaching, I got married um, and had a lovely big white wedding, as you do. I think every woman wants the big white wedding. Um, I'd married a lovely man um, with a lovely family and um, everything was wonderful and, and mm. 12 months into that marriage um, I was pregnant which is what you sort of expect it's just in the sort of yeah. timeline of what happens um, expectation for women whatever I, whatever you want to call it and I was expecting and um, that it wasn't exactly planned but it was it was okay you know it was going to be okay mm. But that was in the August I found out I was expecting. And in the December, six months pregnant, I found out my husband was having an affair. Um, from a computer, of all things, computers back then weren't as good as they are now. Mm. The computer had crashed, I switched it on, and the last document that had been saved sort of flashed up. Um, and it was this questionnaire between my husband and the person he'd had the affair with. And so I knew everything. I knew the first kiss, where they'd really? met, who they were, what the favorite colors were. You know, it's imprinted on my brain on that December, Wednesday in December. Um, and yeah, devastation is an understatement. Mm. Your absolute center of your world drops through your middle. Yeah, and you're six months pregnant. Yeah, which was all sort of because my sister had gone through a, a, a breakup and she was bringing her son up on her own, and I just did not categorically want that. Like mm. it was just no. I, I was. I can't tell you. It makes me emotional now thinking mm. about it. it I. I couldn't even, I never imagined for a minute my husband was an amazing man. He wasn't a drinker, he wasn't a socializer, he wasn't a womanizer. He what you know, mm. um, in t reflection now, we probably weren't right for each other. You know, he met me when I was on the crutches, having gone through all those operations. I wasn't the me, the Jane that I yes. am today. Yeah, I was a Jane that needed a lot of attention and care, and, and he was very, very attentive. He'd drop anything at the drop a hat he still does for his daughter now my our daughter yeah you know so maybe time etc it's taught me a lot I have no bitterness and no regret whatsoever that's right 100 percent. yeah no way um and he's an incredible father but he um it was it was a shock mm. a massive shock and mm. coming from um two catholic families you know family was everything mm. family is everything to us um it was huge Anyway, we, we split. Um, my daughter was born in May. I had her via a water birth, which was an incredible experience. Mm -hmm. I didn't want my mum with me or anybody else with me. I, I had an acupuncturist who was a friend as well at the time, but other than that, it was just me. And I remember looking at this little, she was two weeks late, and I remember looking at her in the cot on the ward at Blackburn and thinking, and I said the words, it's just me and you now, kid. You know, Aww. it's just gonna be me and you. And, um, and, that, it, and it has been, you know, she's she's, she's my absolute yeah. world. Um, it is the best experience in the world, isn't it? Just incredible, just incredible. And so many women go through so many different things, you know, IVF, not being able to have children, Absolutely. fostering, adoption, their own mother issue. You know, there's, it, it's just incredible. But it, you know, I'd always wanted a, a sizable family. There is just me and Olivia, and that's what life has mapped yes. out for me. Yeah. But it's been incredible. Um, so there was me and her. I was a self-employed music teacher, still dabbling with the singing, am I going to be a singer on the not? Uh, that absolutely affirmed for me that, no, I had to make a life for my daughter. Mm. I had to pay the mortgage, so within a few days after she was born, 
I was breastfeeding, but I was back at work. I was back teaching. I had a very supportive family. My husband's family, ex-husband's family as well, incredibly supportive. Um, and we battled through, and and I went back to work, and and the rest is history, as they say. Sort of that summer, I was sat with a um, a friend of mine who was a drama teacher, and she said, "We need to create something. We need to build a business." And I was like, "I haven't got time to even <laughs> not even think, <laughs> not even eat." I'm pumping milk out on motorway service stations. I'm putting it in freezer bags. I'm freezing it. I'm going home. My baby's at nursery. Yeah. Um, I breastfed her for 12 months. I'm really proud of that fact. Mm. You know, I had to keep that going for her. And um, that is something to be very proud of. And it was literally pumping at six in the morning. Yeah. It was just a, a, a routine. And uh, I said, there's no way I can take anything else on. She said, you must have a little bit of time in your week, Jane. And I was like, well, Tuesdays I actually go home at half past five and I have the evening and I put her to bed because with the kind of work that I did at that time teaching children after school hours one-to-one in schools it's all after school hours and weekends so there wasn't really a break I was working in the school day in the schools and after the school day at home or in other people's homes and um, she said Tuesdays then let's start something on a Tuesday we'll do like a drama and a singing and we'll put it together and you've got a real business brain because I know you've got all the contract and what should we call it? I was like, when are you thinking this is going to start? She said, 18th of September. And this was like the middle of August. So I was like, this is a business. Let's do it. And we opened the doors on the 18th of September. We called it Little Voices. Oh. And 12 years on now today, we've um, 90 locations across the UK and a franchise operation. That's amazing. And Olivia's goes to the classes still and um, and that's how the business so are you both, started. So are you still partners in the business? No, we actually split... Um, about three years in two to three years into the business which was incredibly sad incredibly upsetting two women who had had this idea but it was at that point where for growth I wanted to go down the franchising route and my partner at that time didn't mm-hmm. and we had two different visions I suppose and our visions weren't aligned and you learn all this as you get older but you don't yeah. know it then yeah um so you have this vision you've got to make sure your vision is aligned and and it wasn't um, and she decided that that wasn't what she wanted to go forth with and I did and I wanted to borrow and I wanted to take risk mm-hmm. and I was prepared to do that I think because I'd never had a salary mm. so you know and, and she was working in a school and a full-time salary and, and family and, and everything and it was and we were really good friends you know but that period of time was really challenging yeah. obviously it was probably yeah. worse than my marital divorce um, yeah, because you were close friends. It's... Yeah, we were. But we are, I mean, the story comes full circle because okay. we are friends now. Right. She's actually dating my next door neighbour, uh, who I introduced her to, so through my man, who obviously I live with. And so it, it's incredible how yeah. the world turns. Yeah. It really does. Um, so that was, that was the story of the birth of Little Voices. And... Oh. Um, um, we've gone on to you know do some amazing things in business but you know through personal challenges it helps you through your business ones as well actually yeah I think we're quite really... remarkable as women yeah definitely and uh, you know your point about things going full circle I hear so many uh, women's stories and it always tends to come back to that um, you know it, it, it's wonderful that you're still good friends with her and yeah absolutely and it's and it's you know her life has gone in her direction and mine has with with mine and and you know that hasn't been easy you know borrowing money feeling really you know not even be able to put petrol in your car you know all the things that you go through as a business owner in those early years and months are really really hard 
Um, but worth it, yes, worth it when we've won, you know, national awards and children have got amazing, outstanding. So we work towards Lambda exams, right? And um, so the children can then be really effective communicators. It's not just about being on the stage. No, it's great. It's, my my children have done them, and and I did them as a child as well. And it the, invaluable creates the confidence. It does to stand up, to speak, absolutely. to come to an, an interview. You know, if you're interviewing for new members of staff, those that come in with an air of confidence and communication for customers, mm. it's just a it's a no brainer who you're going to accept. And unfortunately, schools today haven't got the time or the resources to be able to give that individual tuition, whereas we can at Little Voices in our small groups of children's only eight in a class, mm. and they can get the, the qualifications that can help them through life, help them through university and college. Mm. So mm. It, has a, it has a much bigger, wider impact as well. Mm. What, uh, you know, you've had such a lot of experience of things, and what have you learnt over the years through all your trials and tribulations about leadership and... I suppose mentoring other people that there is always a solution to a problem you might spin it around in your head for days weeks months sometimes mm. but there's a reason for that I'm a great believer there's a reason for that and you will come to the conclusion and the right and the right path will open mm. it will it'll just open and you'll think ah oh, that was the reason why and there's the solution to that problem and I, and therefore not sort of getting bogged down it's easier said than done in the the negativity of it or the the trauma of it or the results of it the emotional side of it trying to just give it time for it to play out mm. and, and the solution mm. will reveal itself almost do you know i was at a convention last week and um we had we were fortunate enough to have bob proctor speaking oh wow which was unbelievable for two and a half hours and he was talking about exactly that you know when you have what he does, he has the problem. He'll write it down on a piece of paper, put it on the dining room table, and over the next few days, he'll just keep picking it up and looking at it and walking away and carrying on around, you know, about mm. his business. And the solution comes. Um, you know, and it's, and it's keeping that positive, knowing that the solution's coming. It may, like you say, it may take a few days it may take a few weeks a couple of years but mm. it's out there and it's coming absolutely and um, and in the in that journey between where the where you get the solution and the, and the problem there's all that emotion to work through the thoughts the worry the you know and it's just handling that that's the the biggest challenge really yeah um and there's all sorts of techniques to getting through that i mean i you know when i went through my foot operations and that time I became really quite depressed you know mm. depression is a massive thing mm. and I you know I was my mum eventually got me to the doctor and said you need some help because your balances are all out you need to take some medication and I did yeah. then I felt better then I stopped taking it then I went back on it again and it was this kind of vicious circle now when I was expecting um, my daughter and this next trauma happened um I, a, I was pregnant, so I didn't want to put anything in my body that I perhaps shouldn't, even though they said it was safe. So I didn't yeah. want to go back onto antidepressants. I, it just wasn't something for me. I had to find another way through this. And um, I found acupuncture. I found um, spiritual, you know, spiritualism. Yeah. You know, and and did a lot of self-work, mm. work actually, mm. to, to come out the other side. So... Um, yeah, so that situation taught me how to deal with the next one, if you, if you look at it like that. And yeah. 
you know, I went on to have a, another relationship for five years and, and that ended in an affair as well. Um, but I handled it so differently. Yeah. And actually it was the right thing that that happened. And despite, I could look at it and go, I wasted five years of my life. I could have had more children. I could have met somebody else. I, go, I don't look at it like that at all. I look at it that that brought me so much learning yes, from absolutely. that relationship. Yes, it ended disastrously, but I was strong enough to come out the other side and quickly rejuvenate, knowing the techniques I'd done in other ways. And you just get stronger. And I, I have to say that I was probably, you know, easily, just two years ago, 18 months ago, remember thinking that, I think I'm happiest I've ever been. And that, you know, because and I... It, and it led you to your now relationship that is the happiest oh yeah it is life, really happiest it, so. and you know we'll be together forever i can categorically yeah. say that whereas before i probably would look at people getting married and thinking that probably won't last you know or i'd have little thoughts in my head quite mm. skeptical mm. um no absolutely true love the right man the right relationship the right family it brings mm. you everything and more but equally, I was happy before I went into that relationship, and I think yeah. that's the difference. You've you got to yourself. be in a good place. Mm. You do. You have to sort of do that work to yeah, know I think you who have you to are. take all the hardships as, you know, something that's going to propel you further forward in life, isn't it? It's um, absolutely. You can, you can either wallow in it <laughs> and drown, or you can say, "This I'm going to learn from this, and it's going to take me forward." And you're absolutely. you're a great. You, you demonstrate that really well I just I, I believe it mm. I know it I know it's true so coming out of that relationship I was three and a half stone heavier than I am now I was you know when that partner used to come home he'd come home late at night he'd bring back a bottle of wine take away we'd be eating we'd be drinking it was just a completely destructive yes. way of living your life and actually over the last I'm on a challenge at the moment um, no one year no beer so I've not had a, a an alcoholic drink for over 300 days wow and i don't believe well i'll done. ever go back to it but really? i loved sauvignon blanc and yes. prosecco you know but yeah. um that's changed also it's about being happy in yourself do you think that there's been any the a role the role of luck in your success luck or do you make your own luck mm. do you say yes to every opportunity or to a, an opportunity that feels right um think I'm a great believer of that that yeah. you follow that instinct that we've yeah. got very strongly as women and when we're not listening to it it always goes wrong yeah absolutely <laughs> but we try and convince ourselves otherwise yeah. so listening to that saying yes to the opportunities and embrace and embracing it so look I'm very lucky that I'm surrounded by amazing people great family great mm. partner great friends mm. sometimes I don't even know why my friends are still friends with me because I hardly ever have a minute to spend with them everything's about either the business or Olivia you know but we're all like that aren't yeah we? yeah but we beat ourselves up about it as well exactly you know and and I think parenthood we beat ourselves <laughs> up about that as well as yeah. women it's very uh, you know I've got two children and uh, you were always questioning did I do the right thing mm -hmm. have I made the right because there's no manual <laughs> no there isn't no there isn't but I think you're right you go with your gut instincts and and if you follow they're that, there for a reason and they're telling you something yes and yeah. I, I always think that there's a much greater 
power around us, whatever that is, whatever mm. you believe, whatever, what you call some, it. whatever <laughs> you call it, there's something at play, and, and we've got to kind of home in on that. As human beings, we're so special, yeah, so unique, and everybody. So you've got to go with what that sense mm. or a gut instinct is. Mm. Absolutely. So, what advice would you give? to a woman who felt that she was being intimidated in business um, either as a, because she's a woman have you ever come across uh, that feeling of uh, being intimidated I suppose you've not had any corporate roles so to speak um, I haven't had corporate roles and so I haven't had experience of feeling intimidated I know it happens I know women feel it um, I can't say that I've got a personal experience of it. Um, so I don't know how I would handle it. Mm. Uh, but for me, I just... I mean, in, in franchising alone, from, from my sector, there's different organisations you can go to, different networking events, etc. Mm. And some of them are very, very male-heavy. Mm. You know, you are a, a, one on your own in there. Do I walk in and do I let it bother me? No. Am I really comfortable in my own skin and my my success? Yes. Mm. Does that give me a bit of an edge to handle those situations? Perhaps. I don't know. I think it comes with um, age as well and experience, doesn't it? Maybe, yeah. Um, yeah. I think... Uh, so I've had, I've had corporate roles all through my career. And actually, I think because of my personality, I've not really allowed myself to be intimidated but I've seen it mm. a lot mm. and it's better these days than it was mm. 20 25 years ago um but yeah I you know through these podcasts I want to hopefully help young women starting mm-hmm. out to realize that they've got to remain focused and believe in their ability that they're as good as any other person absolutely absolutely and I think if you've got that internal happiness and Mm. that foundation of security Mm. and you feel that that's not just about how you look and and, you know all of those things it's Mm. about how you actually feel inside because that is what will beam out yes Um, it's having that sense of of, of confidence Mm. complete self-belief then I think you're right I think that will help in those situations Mm. which comes back to little voices and what it creates for children going to little voices and, and absolutely learning that we confidence. say you know it's, it's, it's a great life grounding yes yeah, life skills it's not about we don't we've had some fantastic successes don't get me wrong we've got some wonderful girls on the west end and really? in dubai well, tell, us and about them. tell us about the awards <laughs> so we had, as well yeah so we had one uh, young girl who came to me age seven maybe six seven tiny little dot really wouldn't say very much and and but just loved her singing lesson and her drama lesson and we that was before the time of franchising for us as well it was in my original centers that I still do run in in sort of the um Blackburn Clitheroe area mm-hmm. she used to come every week and she'd always say Jane sing me your note do you do that big note when anyone new came to the class please will you sing the note so I'd sing this big operatic note and she'd be like wow 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 and she was lovely absolutely lovely. I knew she was a very good dancer and Anyway, over the years, she just this confidence started to come. She she really found her feet. And mum said to me, you know, we're thinking about high schools. What should we do? I remember being sat on the edge of my desk with the phone to my ear and saying, I really think you need to look at stage school in London. I think you need to go and look at Sylvia Young, and I think they'll snap her up. She'll be a. Really? I said, I, 
she's the only child I have ever taught in 12 years that has everything, you know, look, height, ability, talent, completely self-deprecating. You know, she's just the most beautiful girl. Singing, acting, drama, gymnastics, dance, you know. And she, anyway, she got a scholarship into the theatre school. Uh, only there a week, Cameron McIntosh had her in her off, his office and she was next news playing Cosette in Les Miserables in the opening tour wow. in Dubai. She's now in Kids Bop Band, she's on the TV, she's doing a tour at Manchester Arena next oh, year. Um, still in contact with her mum. Her mum and her family are incredible, what beautiful people. Um, and we're still in touch and whenever you know something happens to Little Voices, her mum's one of the first people on social media to congratulate us and say well oh, done. And marvelous. But her daughter was doing really well and I said to her, I was in the motorway one day and said, you keep your diary as her mum because it's a journey for the mum as well. Yeah. You know, write it down, write your book. Because I really believe that that young girl will, you know, have an Oscar really? or, or or something one one day in the not too distant. Well, I hope you're sat there in the audience watching her. Receive oh, it. so do I. I've seen her in the West End in Matilda, but yeah, when she gets that, I'm, I hope we'll still be in touch. I'm sure we will be. So there's those beautiful successes, but honestly, for the most part, Lisa, it's um, it's children that just need to find their voice, mm-hmm. whether that's to put the hand up in school. Yeah. and say an answer in reception yeah. or they go into an interview for a Saturday job or they want to go to Oxford University to study law and we've taught children with various backgrounds mm. I bump into mums all the time oh do you remember when my daughter used to come and, and she's now a beautician and she says that she can only talk to customers because she had the, the you know the confidence That's to fantastic. chat yeah. so you know in a small group getting to know them caring for them nurturing them working towards exams that are not scary you know school's full of exams now SATs GCSEs so much yeah where's communication where's people skills eye contact posture holding yourself as well with social media they're always on the phones they're not developing normal face-to-face speaking relationships are they they're really not so when we go into schools with a lot of school partnerships where we go into the school and deliver in the school day or after school hours and and you go into the staff meeting and you can say this is what we've got at the moment with someone on their mobile phone with head Mm. down which Mm. is what it's all like everywhere or this is a script and this is us standing and delivering and we all have to speak you know even if you end up working Mm. for the bank you might be sponsoring an award for the bank and have to stand there and present so Mm. All of those things are really important, and and I'm lucky I have the most amazing team of people around me, mm. just incredible people, but little voices around me doing the same. Fantastic. It must be so rewarding. It is rewarding. Hugely rewarding. So how do you um, maintain a work-life balance? Because you're clearly hugely passionate about what you do, and you love it. It's really difficult. (laughs) So when I got off the train at 1am on Saturday morning after being at the awards in London, I drove home and got into bed. And the next morning I've I've got a headache and I'm I'm feeling really, really drained. And I'd say to my partner, and this is industry champion 2019. This is what I really look like. You know, it's really hard. Balance is hard as a woman. We've got children and their activities and Mm. home and cleaning and washing and relationships and family and elderly parents and and we try and take it all on so balance how is that one of my key things i do not have emails coming to my phone right i just don't yeah i have two phones work one and a personal one a personal one has maybe 10 numbers on it and my work phone generally goes off yeah once work's finished now this weekend it was saturday morning because of the aftermath a Friday mm. but you know more 
unless it's normally Friday night off and it's back on Monday morning. Unless I know someone really needs something within yeah. that weekend time. Yeah. Um, Olivia would say to you, sometimes I look like I'm about to combust when she's driving next to me in the car because <laughs> your head's going with something for work. Yeah. But she plays netball to a high level. And um, we spend a lot of time together in the car going to the different matches. Yeah. I'm always there for her. She's never been in after school club. She's never been in before school club. Um, luckily, I've got parents who can look after yeah. her when I'm away with work. Um, but we have tried to have really good time together. Yeah. Hol- time out, mm. holidays, they mm. are few and far between. But I do take them Yeah. at times. So I, I, you have to put the boundaries in place. And yeah. I'm not great at it. I can't preach yeah. because I'm not brilliant at implementing it but I love what I do so it's yeah, almost like it's a hobby of, as well yeah exactly yeah definitely oh it's been lovely talking to you to you too Honestly, thank you for having me it's such an inspirational story and um you know I look forward to seeing uh, where this carries on going for you thank you thank you for having me thank you Jane Okay, guys, hope you enjoyed listening to Jane. And um, if you have any comments, please drop them on, uh, on our podcast and um, look out for the next one. See you soon.